Hi, filmmakers, and welcome to the Short Film Pod, hosted by Leonie Marsh and myself, Jacoby Gray. Today we're talking to production designer and director Gareth Davies. His career began in graphic design, where he designed numerous campaigns for advertising agencies and design studios before transitioning into film as a tech advisor on Superman Returns. Gareth has designed numerous short films, including two of my own, The Aquarium and The Beehive, and also Messiah, directed by Damien Walsh Howling for the Lexus International Short Film Competition in 2016. Most recently, he was production designer on the actor Best Documentary winner, That Sugar Film, which was directed by Damon Gamo, and the upcoming horror feature film, The Furies, directed by Tony Aquino. Art department for other feature films include Griff the Invisible and Cedar Boys. Gareth also spent time living and working in Asia as a television commercial director, and other directing credits include The Jamison's first shot film, Everything is Super, and co-writer, co-director, designer, and animator of One, which screened as one of the top 16 finalists in the 2010 Movie Extra Tropfest. Gareth is an extremely talented and visceral production designer who Leonie and I absolutely love working with. We had a really great time catching up during the podcast, so let's dive right in. When you say production designer, most of my friends who don't work in films, their face goes blank and they've got no idea what I'm talking about. The way I describe it is the director is in charge of the story. He's like the fourth dimension and... The cinematographer is in charge of what you're looking at, which is purely through a lens, which is the second dimension. And I'm in charge of the three dimensions. I'm like in charge of all the depth, all the texture, everything that you can see. Imagine right now that we're shooting a film. I've chosen what you're wearing. I've chosen the colors of the room. I've pointed out all the things that you probably ignore but take for granted. That's what I would describe production designer as, the three dimensions. Mm, so the, Does it make sense? Yeah. So mm. the person who interprets, I suppose, the visual aesthetic of the film. Mm, yeah. The visual aesthetic, I mean, we've worked together on a few films and ultimately uh, I think production designer, all I try and do is try and realise what your as a director, or any director sees in their head, which is often like uh, ideas that are almost inexpressible and often their feelings or something mm. is intangible. I try and translate that into the physical, something real and, You're yeah. creating the whole world in which yeah, things exist. I often find I... Like, only the actors know as much about a character as I do. Like, the specificity of production design, what books do they read? Mm. Do they wear their watch on their left or their right hand? There is so much texture that it's kind of making ideas, it's manifesting, I guess, the ideas of story and big picture into little picture, into something you can see, touch and feel and 
trying to achieve that as closely. I think my best advice to any director who's starting out would be understand what production design is in the first place so that when you do have the opportunity to have a production designer, you know how to communicate with creating paintings out of frames. Mm. I think it's really important that every filmmaker makes films and not avoid making films just because they can't tick all the boxes. Yes. So just make films Mm. all the time, as much as you can. If you want a film to be taken seriously, engage with the visual uh, language that goes back to Renaissance. It's, it's the same language that is in art that mm. you know, goes back hundreds of years. Mm. Mm. That's what I think all filmmakers really want to achieve is the subtlety and nuance that only a production designer can provide. So if you're embarking on making a short film, and you can't necessarily afford a production designer of the calibre of someone who has, you know, experienced and who can turn a painting into a visual element Mm. for film. But I think on every film set, you still need to allocate a crew member to that, a crew member or two or three, Mm. um, to that (laughs) aspect of the film. So even if you don't have an experienced production designer, you need someone who's in charge of props. um, Oh, yeah. um, Costume, like bringing the set together. And so I guess that's broadening into the larger realm of your job. I definitely think for any burgeoning short filmmakers, there is unbelievable rewards by having a costume designer, a production designer, and an art director. There are so many, if someone's drinking, someone's smoking a cigarette, there are so many different live variables Mm. that are just practical, let alone does it look good. And most of the time, if you hold up a camera, it doesn't look that good. It could be one chair out of place and that's all you're looking at in a scene is the fact that there's a loose chair. Respecting the uh, role of art department and production design, I think is one of the things which has got a camera, I've got sound, I've got some actors, and I've got an all right story I'm going to shoot. I think is probably the biggest mistake that most people make because they don't respect actually on the day what's required to make something look good. So when you're working with a short film director, Mm. what is your sort of ideal process? How would you ultimately like to work with that director? That's a really good question. That's a question, firstly, that you don't get asked enough. So it's probably a good start. I've got a process where with a script is the first place that I start. So with a director, my perfect kind of like... Situation is where I have no influence and the director sends me a script and allows me to read it and respond. And I'll read the script like the audience first and I'll write down what bubbles up while I'm watching it. I personally lean into how it makes me feel. Production designing is like you start with feeling and I think writing and directing is similar. You start with feeling and you end with, at the other end of the spectrum, at the end of the process, 
is purely practical and like, can I do this? So at the very beginning, it's all about what does this make me feel? What is bubbling up? Is it imagery? Is it colours? Does it remind me of something that I've seen before? So for me, my ideal situation is be able to talk to the director after I've read the script the first time and feel safe that I can communicate whatever has bubbled up from that first experience. And then also not just feel safe, but exploratory and collaborative with that director, that together we're going to find something that probably neither of us expected. So um, when you, you receive a script and with no influence, you mean that the director hasn't sent you, here's my design brief, yeah, here's the script, this is what I want. Your, 100%. Your yes. preference is that you receive a script, you read mm. it, you ingest it, yeah. you let the ideas like, percolate. percolate, and then you'll come to the director and then you'll meet and discuss ideas um, on a level. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And yeah. that's really interesting that you say that because I remember with Aquarium, I don't know how long I knew you before we worked together on that. We stumbled across each other, didn't we? Yeah, but yeah. I do think that I came to you with a design brief yeah. first on that one. Uh, Whereas with Beehive, actually... It was I've got to be honest, I didn't really look at that design brief. <laughs> <laughs> I put so much work into it. I know, that. I know. You actually put so much work that intimidated me. I mean, I glanced over it, but it wasn't... <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful. I saw some stuff from it, by the way. It was very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't um, want to undo your work. <laughs> I just plagiarise it. No. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's all mine, by the way. <laughs> yeah, the DP, um, Rodrigo Vidal Dawson on Aquarium, mm. he also shot my first film, Cavity. So he'd given me um, a book about, it was basically how colour can influence audiences' emotion. Mm. So I'd read this book and I was mm. like, oh, wow. Mm. And so green is, is makes an audience feel uncomfortable and uneasy. And I know for Lens House, then all of that, that it was also mm. green. And then literally for, because red is anger, I, mm. I'd done the father's house kind of with reds and I'd put this brief mm. together using these colours and this <laughs> new information that I'd learned. Yeah. Which was gorgeous, by the way. That just seems so oh, sweet now. I know. I was so earnest. Learning my craft. <laughs> let's yes. Like, and that's what a short film is. And well, really I think, I think as a director, craft. one of your greatest attributes is your... As you said, earnestness or sincerity. You take it on board. Yeah. Yeah, you really lean in. And as a production designer, it's very inspiring. I feel safe when um, it's very rare to work with directors like Jacoby, who's both driven and clear and intentional, but also open and vulnerable. And I think that's kind of a source of collaboration. As you were asking before, you, in terms of the process with working with a director, is be, having the opportunity to be heard whilst also feeling safe enough to be told no and to hear it and go, you're right. Because sometimes it can feel like you're just throwing pasta at the wall, waiting for it to stick and hoping that it's cooked. Mm. And Do you mean when you're communicating with a director? Well, yeah, when you're designing. If a director doesn't really have a vision, I guess, and you're just like going, does this work? Does this work? Mm. And often you don't know what you're aiming. You'll finish your film, and you feel like you've been a hammer, not like a, a razor, and like that you've been blunt. And it's like, okay, I mean, it's all right, but to be challenged and heard, which is a really difficult space to 
creatively be in is the ultimate goal. And in my experience, that's, that's where the best, that's where it happens. That's the mm-hmm. best of it. I remember with Aquarium, literally two days before we shot, we mm. lost our location. <laughs> yeah. And I called Gaz and I said, I think we have to shoot in my house. Can you please <laughs> come over? And we were standing in my carport. Oh, yes. we like trying to figure out how we were going to turn that into a character's house. Yeah. You'd already gone and shopped and bought everything we needed for the other location. And it was like this moment of, I think I was a, a shell of myself by this mm. stage barely getting through and you were like no we can do this we can do this and you were really rallying and, and I think that's why you need to be well, working yeah. with people that did I is that what I did because because <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that way <laughs> I guess if we're talking about uh production designing short films um yes location. an inside voice and an outside voice really gets you far because mm. I'm pretty certain internally I was like okay so I'm just going to call into my car and cry. <laughs> <laughs> but the director wonderfully remembers it as if I was like, I, we can do this. <laughs> Those sort of problems. And even hearing Jack say, <laughs> uh, saying that I had already everything in a pile. No, I didn't. I had a bunch of people that I was renting things from that every moment I'm like, if they say no, I'm screwed. <laughs> like, if yes. it's one person to change their mind. Yeah, the layering like, of negotiation and favours that you've pulled. Totally. To, it's like yeah. the mafia. I'm yeah. basically, <laughs> I've got, like, really uh, complex kind of fabric <laughs> book that I've spun. Just to be specific for our listeners, you're talking about when you're actually pulling a design together and you're... No, I'm talking two days before shooting. Mm-hmm. I need a Chesterfield. There's a friend that I went to school with that I should have called more frequently in the last 10 years <laughs> who has a Chesterfield who I've called and said, do you mind if I come in and pick it up and borrow it for a day and that you and your girlfriend sit on the single chairs? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's yeah. short filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a web of a bunch of these situations. Mm-hmm. And I guess having the opportunity to talk as a production designer and and to be heard. I think one of the most unseen things about designing for short films is, I guess, there is an element of sacrifice on a personal level, which is almost always overlooked. Yes. There's always, there are favours that you ask that no one knows about. There's no reward to it. Uh, <laughs> production design doesn't suit narcissists because they're going to be unseen. It's an empathetic experience of please, 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 um, which I think is due to the lack of money and the fact that often what you're working on is because you believe in it more than just a job. It's often something which is a pursuit of passion than economy, I guess, mm, mm. and uh, it's, it's not for the faint of heart and you're going to buy a lot of flowers that are not too expensive <laughs> but look pretty. <laughs> like even now I'm thinking about a job that I did recently where I've got to buy some flowers for someone. As a thank you, you mean. As a thank you, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of thank yous. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So 
yeah, I think that's one of the uh, underappreciated aspects of production designing for short films is it. It's budget, isn't it? Lack of budget and lack of time. the line, you need to engage on a very personal Yeah. So I think the lesson for everyone out there is give your production designers a lot of love and a lot of gratitude. Yes, 100%. (laughs) Oh, my God. And anyone listening who's got a really good Chesterfield? uh, (laughs) Call me. I email the notes (laughs) because I could use it. With Aquarium, it was a very sort of realistic world that we were mm. dealing in. Um, mm. But then I came to you with the Beehive, which mm. is maybe every production designer's dream because as Leonie and I have joked, I came to her with just a one-pager and said, we're just going to improvise this and it's this creative world based on Andy Warhol and 1960s pop art, but in today's world. Mm. And I kind of went to you at that same point and said, I've got this idea. And that's when we really kind of started to jam on that. The Aquarium, that was our first job together. Mm-hmm. Our conversation about Beehive was informed by our relationship from the Aquarium, mm-hmm. which it was naturalistic. I remember we talked about having smoke and a kettle going off. There was always something active, which you seem to really like and engage with. So the boys sitting around smoking, which is like, ugh. It's, it's hard the to best. Share. Continuity <laughs> loves us when we do that. <laughs> we had to buy so many fake cigarettes. Yeah. It's like, okay, so you're at two-thirds, you're at kind of like three-fifths. Okay, we've got this. Let's roll. But there was always a kettle. <laughs> there was always something active in the background. We talked about colour a lot. We talked about using yellow um, as a, like avoiding red. Mm. For the different characters, I think one of the my favourite things about working with you on that film was exploring the palettes of the different characters. Mm. Mm. You know, the antagonist had, it was like mould. We were trying to like create yeah. like like a greasy mould mm. texture and, and mm. palette. And, uh, so you say you didn't actually look at my design. No, I totally but- did. I was joking. Of course <laughs> I did. It feels like you interpreted it somewhere along the way. <laughs> we really wanted to create mm. an irksome feel. Mm. And this is the exciting Scratching thing. Up when you're working with a production designer as a director and suddenly you're moving into this, into this world of like, yeah, let's create something that looks like mold and mm. that feels like mold or yeah. that something's rotting because yeah. that's essentially what was happening in that mm. scene. And I think going back to your question about for short film directors, the value of working with a production designer, I think this is a really good example where there is subtlety where it's like good music or composition for a film is when you never notice it. The Mm. best music in a film is where you know you liked it, but you never at any point recognise it. Yeah, you're feeling the feels, but you're not. Totally. Everything feels connected, but it's often when you notice something that you're like, unless it's intentionally trying to be verbose or something. But um, I think what I love about our first film working together is I think we achieved something where it looks consistently intentional, beautiful, and relatable. And you never notice it. You're just like, oh, that all made sense. And I think Mm. we started with that. So then you came to me with your next film, which was 
a joy. The Andy Warhol inspired film, The Beehive. One thing that Gaz said to me, he said, well, Andy Warhol was on the cutting edge of contemporary art in his day. And because we're setting this film in the modern day, the present day, we need our artist, whose name was Elan, modelled on Andy Warhol, to be at the cutting edge of today's contemporary mm. art. And what was really hot right then and was just about to blow up was light mm. sculptures and light art. And it was literally, we went into production and you gave me all these like fantastic sort of references. In terms of colour, we were looking at films like Enter the Void and Spring Breakers. Mm. But as to the actual artworks that Ilan was going to be working on, you were like, how about light sculptures? And mm. it was kind of crazy because um, crazy. Drake's mm. music video hotline bling well, I just it been, dropped mm, during this process. That was crazy. And, right, yes. And anticipate, like it just showed that you were, you yourself as a production designer were on the cutting edge of what was happening. Mm. Because, and as an artist, the zeitgeist yeah. of, yeah. This was like, it was kind of like your dream situation as a production designer. It was like, okay, so your job is to be an artist. Um, it, it was wonderful. And, uh, yeah, you're right, Drake... I'm the artist, the Terrell, James Terrell, James Terrell who, who I just had gone down to Canberra to see his exhibition mm. and was just like so kind of inspired. And that's a really good example as well of we were having a conversation and talking about what is zeitgeist and how do you, I mean, you can't recreate Andy Warhol. Mm. How do you create a unique character? that is doing something which is both empty and profound and kind of part of the time and could feed the ego of the character in the film and that's what we discovered together. And, you know, once again, like, when it comes to short filmmaking, you know, be wary of the promises that you make because it's like, oh, now I've got to do this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And just for our listeners who haven't seen these two films, The Aquarium, when we say realistic, it, it was set in suburbia. We needed houses. We needed kitchens, a bathroom, a lounge. But the, the beehive, the brief was not only were the characters artists, so they were creating their own art, but they were in a warehouse space, a huge open area that needed to be completely operational as an artist from all angles. beehive yeah it was a commune of art wasn't it so you yeah. had to dress it create it dress it and then have this other layering of what the characters in the film were creating as their own art so it was a huge brief it was a huge brief and another example of it took us a while to find the space yeah and amazingly our gaffer was going out with the owner of the space. Mm. So a lot of things came together very quickly towards the end. From a production design perspective, one of the benefits about, uh, I guess, following a good idea, which was our concept of what art we were creating, was that it generated its own light source. Mm. And that really allowed me on a limited budget to make a space feel larger because of using a light source is something that draws your attention. My best advice for production designers is get to know the gaffers because whether it's them lending you a clip that you need or literally saving your design entirely, all production designers, particularly with short films, need practical lighting. 
And being able to work with a gaffer as early as you can means that most, more of your set is going to be visible, more of your vision is going to be, um, I guess, uh, translated into the final product. Like, gaffers are your best friend, 100%. I think the under-budgeting of art department is one of the worst, uh, like... Biggest um, issues you're up against. Yeah, it's insane. When I started out doing graphic design and people were like, oh, you're just putting together a thing. And it's like, well, it takes me 20 hours to do that. Mm-hmm. You want to pay me $80? But that translates to production design. It's good to acknowledge it, I guess. And I think the biggest problem particularly I think with Australian filmmaking in general, it's extremely under-budgeted in Australia, whether it's feature or short. Mm. And as a producer, um, I've been guilty of that in the past. You put your plug all your numbers in and then the first thing to go is, well, I need a camera Mm. and the camera's going to cost that from the rental shop. Gaz will sort us out. It'll be okay. I will never forget taking Gaz through factory in Artarman for the beehive. Yes. And walking him through and because I was like, here we go. It's for free. We've got a toilet and everyone can park. It's perfect. And <laughs> was like, holy smokes. It was How am I going to fill this cavernous white space? <laughs> and after I was like, so we're all sorted, aren't we, guys? Because logistics were ticked in my mind. And he was just like, oh, how do I tell you that this is uh, not an option. <laughs> yes. The men yep. floor, barely any natural light, dusty. <laughs> you and I were like, yeah, we'll be able to set up um, craft services over here. Yeah, <laughs> fully <laughs> logistics. The trucks will be able to drive in up the ramp. We won't have to worry about That's it. This is great, great access. I was having the coldest sweats. <laughs> I, I was having total fox sweat. I was just like, yeah, You're okay. not talking much. But have you ever? <laughs> yeah. Have so you ever are we going to build a wall? Have you ever pulled out of a job that, or would you have, like, if we'd said, no, we're locking this location, would you have just gone, all right, let's do it? Yeah, no, I never have. There's definitely jobs I should have. I couldn't leave anyone hanging. No, you committed and therefore. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But that's probably a fault. Um, (laughs) It's probably a character flaw. (laughs) Well, no, it is and it isn't, isn't it? Because it's Mm. probably to your detriment, your commitment and your loyalty, but the warning signs are going off and actually... Mm. you get to a point where you think life's too short. So it's a give and take relationship, isn't it? If you're not getting anything out of it, then what? Then it's a hollow experience. It's one of those, one of the best aspects of filmmaking is the family aspect of it. The fact that, you know, particularly in Australia, you end up getting to know everybody. And I started out working on... Superman and, you know, really big Hollywood films and apply the same structure to short films. Like, I think it needs to be... Ordered, you mean? Ordered, yeah. Yeah. Even if you're doing something that you think is insane can sometimes turn out to be the best part of a film because you're trusting the people above you in the, in the ranks, I guess. But because it's a small, close-knit, like you've got to watch everyone's back. To walk off a film and leave someone holding the bag, I don't know, to me, 
breaks a certain code. If someone did that to me, and it has happened to me before in things that I've directed or even like people in art department, um, when it happens to me, it's, it's devastating. You're mm-hmm. like, what's good about being a small family in, a, in an industry and particularly when you're dealing with short films and everyone's starting out is filmmaking really weeds out the people who have good intentions, who are dedicated. Often it does involve doing things that you don't want to do, but more importantly, not letting down someone who you've said they can rely on. If your hands are idle, find something to do. There's always something to do. Often with short films, that will be related to the grips or the gaffers. They always need uh, some shot bags carried or, you know, something like that. If you're not doing something, find something to do. That's it. In short filmmaking, everyone mucks in a lot more. On a feature film, there are hundreds of people, so the hierarchies are incredibly important. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot more Each department has Mm. their own set of order. Yeah, I actually think like feature films are essentially a lot more lonely. You're, you're yes. definitely relegated to a more utilitarian kind of role in filmmaking. Yes. I think one yes. of the best things about short filmmaking is the fact that all departments, like if you've got some time to spare, whether it's five minutes, half an hour, go and talk to the grips, talk to the gaffers, talk to like go, do you need a hand? Do you see someone you're bumping out? Grab some shot bags or learn... Uh, how a piece of equipment works purely by helping someone carry it for 10 minutes. I think that's the reason why I think short films are the best school that you can attend is because all the departments are so close and the more work you put in, the more you'll be rewarded, not just by people's respect but by knowledge. Like... Mm. You're helping uh, someone move a light. You can ask about what that light is. What's the current? What's it most used for? What's the filter? Like all these kind of questions you can ask while you're helping someone do something. And Yeah, I think that's the best thing about short films. Do you think that you will always make shorts? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like making music videos, the chance to make short films and music videos and short format is a way to um, explore ideas which are local. It's like a haiku. It's trying to like find uh, Mm, the the essential essence, yeah, Mm -hmm. of an idea and explore it so that you can incorporate it into the big picture stuff. Mm. It takes mm-hmm. years. Often I think the best ones anyway uh, to work on are ones that are ambitious, that are trying to do something which shouldn't be done. And I think Beehive is an example of that, where it's like, this is crazy. Let's do this. This is awesome. <laughs> Hang on. So you've modernised Andy Warhol and there's freaking bees a lot of gaz's brilliant work on that film is translatable when you watch it but something that viewers won't understand is that 
when I walked into that set hmm. and I could turn 360 degrees and in every single corner there was some new wild crazy sort of art setup or creation or art station for some of our extras hmm. to just be laying around and just creating art it was like walking into a wonderland hmm. and hmm. It was really incredible and mm. I think that's a testament to your ability as a production star. I just want to say thank you. And, and oh, thank you. And Often uh, when you production design, uh, maybe 20% of what you've put together is unseen and it's almost always your favourite things that you've created that the camera misses. But uh, on Beehive, it was just glorious watching how you adapted to the space and I think you're elegant in the sense that you allowed the performances, the space and your story to kind of adapt from shot to shot. And I'd see you put the camera somewhere and I'm like, yes. Like every time I was like, yeah. <laughs> just getting that angle. And then you'd move the camera again or it'd be like roaming. I'm like, yes. So, yeah, it was, mm. it was such a joy for me to feel seen by you I guess and it's something quite rare and mm, and big ups to Aaron McClisky mm. our DP as well because what he a dude. Was, um, what a dude. played a very essential part in yeah. bringing all of your stuff to life as well the best thing about art department in general is we're the first to arrive we're the last to leave but because of that, we kind of have the most fun. It's the most invisible department, I think. Mm. Gives it a lot more freedom in other ways. You know, like how camera, for instance, is like uh, so structured and mechanical, I guess, in its nature. Mm. Our department's almost the opposite. However, it's so where we arrive three hours before we start shooting, we leave bump out for three hours after everyone else stops. I mean, Everyone's yeah. having a beer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's always like the grips of the gaffers who are sitting on the back of a truck while you're yeah. like bumping out for two hours. And they're like, do you want a beer? It's like, yeah. yes. Is there a producer around? <laughs> yeah, pass it over. <laughs> sure, you're making one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, right. so rapid fire. Look at the question. Are you a texter or a talker? Um, I'm... A hanger-upper. My dad did it and I inhabited it, where I prefer to talk on the phone, but once the information is over, I'll just hang up and not say goodbye. And often oh. mine will call back and go, dude, you okay? I'm like, yeah, man, we're, we're done. But, <laughs> so, I'm going to adopt that. I like that. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> What's your favourite genre? Magical realism. Mm. In the cinema, popcorn or Maltesers? Actually combined the two. Uh, this is honest. I buy popcorn, Maltesers and um, salt and vinegar chips oh. and I put them all together in the popcorn because the, the sweet and the salty, oh. it's divine. Do it. Netflix or YouTube? Uh, YouTube. Favourite filmmaker? <laughs> uh, P.T. Anderson. What was the first film you were ever involved with and in what capacity? It was Emmy's Closer Ellipses and I was uh, a, a assistant to the grip. And it was the first time I learned what a dolly was. That was fun to build. What was the last film you worked on? 
2067, my dear friend Seth Lani and Lisa Shaughnessy. It's a beautiful, ambitious sci-fi that everyone should definitely see. Uh, Oscars or Golden Globes? <laughs> oh, hmm, it's controversial. Uh, Oscars. And what is your career highlight to date? I think my career highlight was I... I worked on a film called Suspended, directed by Damien Walsh Howling, and um, uh, the DOP was Denson Baker. Anyway, there was a blind character. So I built a shack. It's a character that I really got into as a production designer. And so I put up strings everywhere as a way for him to navigate around his own ramshackle hut. And watching Denson shoot through the strings that he'd set up with bells and different things like that was just like, there was one shot in particular where, I don't know, there was a choir of angels. It just felt like mm. the most, yeah, it just felt perfect. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, jump online and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, share with a friend and write us a review. And until next time, filmmakers, keep creating.